0: And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your Radio MD.
1: Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD, coming at you on AM860, The Answer. We're an iHeart station and part of the Salem Broadcasting Company. And you can reach us on the web at am860theanswer.com. You can also go to my website, which is evolving, com, And if you want to listen to the show, through your computer, anywhere in the world, 9 to 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, Eastern Standard Time, or I guess we're now on Eastern Daylight Savings Time. You just go to drbillradioMD.com and click Join Me or Listen Live or one of the buttons that'll take you right to the show. So there you have it. You can reach me anytime, anywhere, and where I heart. So if you're rambling around on your mobile phone, you can listen to me with that, too. Oh, boy. We were just talking about death before the uh, show began bill and i apparently a family member passed away expected but still it hurts and we're sorry to lose someone we love but we were also talking about our longevity and the full lives that many of us are leading and i was relating a story to bill about my barber yesterday we were talking and somehow we got on to death and one of his good friends who was 82 years old came down with pancreatic cancer and that's never easy to accept when you hear that word cancer but his friend said don't be upset for me don't worry about me i've had a full life and he said yeah but it's it's such a short you know you've only got 6 months or 3 months to live with this cancer he said what a better way to go i mean it's quick it's easy he said, well, I'll stay here. My barber said, I'll stay here and help you out and take care of He said, no, you won't. You'll go out and live. Life is for the living. You're alive. I'm 82. I've led a full life, and I'm expected to die at this age, and that's what I'm going to do. And you get out and go on about your life. I thought that was a wonderful piece of wisdom and one that I hope I can adopt as I grow older. Uh, unfortunately, my wife's oldest brother has also contracted pancreatic cancer and so she's very upset needless to say. Yeah, I uh, I told her that if she wants to go to Korea and see him that's fine with me. Uh, we've got enough frequent flyer points and I think it would be good for her to go see her older brother one more time. They were very close or they still are very close. I shouldn't talk about him as if he's already passed away but uh, pancreatic cancer is just a bad disease. Well, that's not what I want to talk about today. I just wanted to share that because I thought it was important to hear and to think more seriously about our lives and what they mean and how grateful we should be for the good things that we have. And when we reach that point in time where we got to go, well, you know, we got to go. I mean, life is like a party. It wouldn't be any fun if it went on forever. And when it's time to pack up and go home, well, that's what we do. And we do it with with a smile. And we're grateful and we say thank you for this wonderful opportunity I have been given to be on this planet and to meet all the people and interact and achieve all the things that I have. And I hope that you feel the same way as well. Well, I was listening to Hugh Hewitt and Mike Gallagher and all these guys on the radio during the week and... They're all upset about some aspect of freedom of speech and the press. And uh, Hugh Hewitt was talking about a woman who was uh, a small-time reporter and blogger. By small-time, I don't mean that she was not relevant. I mean that she didn't have the big audience following that these national radio guys have. And that she had misreported uh, some information about the school shooting over uh, I think it's Stoneman over in Broward County in Florida, and that this young guy, uh, I think his last name is Hogg, who has been leading the charge for uh, gun control and gun reform. And she had said that initially that he had not been on campus when all this transpired. And then when she found out that that wasn't true, that he had been there and that he had gone home to get his his camera or his cell phone or whatever, and come back to take some pictures. And she apologized online. And, you know, the, the, uh, I, I don't want to say that I'm misreading Hugh Hewitt. I don't want to do that, but it sounded like he was saying that a big problem is inaccuracy and false reporting. And that, uh, this is hurtful. And actually the second, the first amendment, which is the amendment that, Guarantees us freedom of speech and freedom of the press, says, well, look, if you make an honest mistake and there's no malice in it, then that's your your right. I mean, it's our right to make a mistake. We say things at times and we believe they're true and accurate, whether it's on the radio or in a relationship or at a board meeting, and we may come come out to find later that that's not accurate, and so. Are we liable for saying something that was inaccurate, that was not meant to harm anybody, that was not uh, slander or liable or in any way malicious? Well, I think that it's pretty obvious that all humans do that. And the courts are reasonable, and they have to be. And these sort of things are not held to be uh, wrong, and the First Amendment does not prohibit them. <clears throat> because people make mistakes. That's what we do. We're not infallible. If we were, we'd be gods, and we'd be traveling throughout the universe at the speed of light, but we're not. So we just have to accept our limitations, and I think that the Supreme Court and the First Amendment have made exceptions for that. So, And that's not to say that Hugh Hewitt doesn't have a point We would like everybody, especially if they're representing a conservative agenda, to be uh, very accurate in their reporting so that we're not open to criticism by the liberal press. But these things happen, and we have to have a little bit of forgiveness here. What is misrepresenting the truth anyway? I mean, if you say something and you say it uh, in a manner that is slanderous, uh, or that incites people to perform illegal acts, uh, or that is blatantly uh, subversive to the government. Uh, I think then that we're we're talking about something that's not covered by the First Amendment. But if you're just talking and saying, "Look, I think that you know Donald Trump's a scumbag," uh, that's not. That's not something that you can go to court over uh, because that is protected by the First Amendment. So if I say Donald Trump is a no-good, low-down, dirty, rotten son of a mother, and he says, no, I'm not, and I'm going to sue you, and I'm going to take you to court, and I'm going to do all this. Well, the Supreme Court says, well, no, I mean, Handelman can say that. Dr. Bill can say that you're a no-good, low-down, dirty, rotten son of a mother. And that's just the way it is, especially if you're a public figure, the rules are a little bit different once we step out into the public arena. So you can say mean things and nasty things, uh, slanderous things about me, and I may not have any redress to that because I'm a public figure and I've put it out there. And if you run for an office... Well, you're putting everything about yourself out there because the public wants to know, are you suitable for this position as president or chairman or councilman or mayor or uh, county sheriff if it's an elected position? So these, these are areas where there's a lot more liberalization of the First Amendment, and that is that you can't really do a whole lot if you're a public figure and they're dragging things out about you that may or may not be provable. What if you say that my mother was a prostitute? Well, if that harms me, if that keeps me from becoming uh, the mayor of St. Petersburg, if I run for it because people say, well, he's illegitimate. I don't think that makes that much difference now. But when I was a kid, that would have been a big deal. The, The morals and values obviously change over time. Then I may have recourse to say that you've harmed me. And I may have recourse to say that you knew that that was a lie, and therefore that is uh, libel. It's slander. It's it's not true, and you've harmed me. You've harmed me in in ways which uh, are damaging to my income as well as to my stature in the community, and I'm going to sue you, and you would probably win that, and the Supreme Court would uphold that as uh, an illegitimate use of freedom of speech. So what can you say in, in the town square of the internet or on podcast or radio or or television or whatever hate what is hate speech? Hate speech is speech that defends or attacks people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin religion, gender, sexual orientation, disability disease, or other traits that the court may from time to time, decide is uh, a legitimate area to take under the hate clause or the hate assessment of speech. Well, the First Amendment protects hate speech from government censorship unless that speech incites or is likely to incite eminent lawless actions. So if I go downtown and I say that I hate Salem Broadcasting because they won't give me a national position well, I mean, Salem Broadcasting can say, well, that's fine. You don't, you can't be on our radio show. You can't be on our station or any of our channels anymore. But they can't sue me. And I'm not in, inciting anybody to riot. I'm just going downtown and standing on a soapbox and telling people what I think of a certain organization or a certain politician or a certain business, and that's okay. Now, if I go down there and say... Not only do I hate these people, but we're going to go and burn down their main station, their corporate headquarters in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or wherever it is. And you guys are to join me at 8 p.m. tonight, and we're jumping on a bus. Make sure you bring your your assault rifles and any dynamite you have, and we'll go over there and get them. Well, (laughs) you can't do that. That's illegal. Because that uh, is a threat to the health and welfare of the community, to the stability of the government, and that 's why we have government that 's why we have laws, so we protect ourselves from each other and from outsiders who want to do harm to us and the first amendment doesn't doesn 't protect that kind of hate speech. Well you get into that gray area where let 's say you 're uh, racially motivated to make negative comments about whites or blacks and you have certain strong opinions about intelligence and uh, their ability to control themselves or to treat each other fairly or whatever it is, and you go downtown and you espouse all these things. Well, as long as you don't incite anybody to riot or to do something illegal that would harm the public health and welfare or an individual's uh, security and, and person, then you could probably get away with it. But if you go downtown and because of the speech that you give, people start to riot or there's threats of riots, then that's not protected by the First Amendment. So hate speech is protected, but hate speech only if it does not incite people to any imminent lawless action. So you can say whatever you want about whoever you want within the context of hate speech and not be held liable for that unless that individual is not a government uh, figure or a public figure and it injures or damages their reputation or their ability to make a living or in some way causes them some sort of harm that they can have an actionable cause for, a tort, and sue you. And then the courts will say, well, you know, we've already ruled on this, and you can't do that. And therefore, plaintiff Handelman, who's suing you for calling his mother a prostitute, is right. And we uphold that judgment that the state court gave him, and you have to pay him $2.5 million. That'd be pretty sweet, wouldn't it? I wouldn't mind that at all, Bill. I'd get a couple million just for somebody saying my mother was a prostitute. (laughs) Take care of that in cash. Yeah, we run with that, baby. So obscenity, what is obscenity? Well, it's famously hard to to define, but in general, it refers to content that's really offensive uh, against the prevalent morality of the time. So when I was a kid in 1955, if you had put out some of the things that are on the Internet now, the courts would have said, "Uh uh-uh, you can't do that. And the Supreme Court probably would have upheld it, saying that, You know, at this point in time, that's considered obscene, and and some of this is that, as I have said before, that morals and values change over time because people and ideals and technology change over time. Well, the First Amendment protects pornography, believe it or not, from government censorship unless it's obscene. Whether something is obscene depends on the community standards at that time and whether it has any literary or artistic or political or scientific value. But nudity alone is not enough to make it obscene. So if you portray two people in a sex act and it's in a very tasteful way and you're trying to make a piece of art I mean, I, I'm not much of a spectator, so these things don't do a whole lot for me. But if you do that, and someone else says, "Well, that's lewd and obscene," and I think that we need to get that off, and the state court says, "Yeah, take it down," and it goes up to the to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says, "Wait a minute, this isn't that much out of context for this time in history, and it's a photograph of two people making love. It's it doesn't imply anything other than uh, a physical act." and we don't see that it's obscene and we therefore say that you the state cannot tell this person they can't put this on the on the internet or hang it on the wall in a museum and of course that gets into a whole lot of complexities and there are checks and balances here of course but overall the idea of obscenity is very broad and very hard to pin down, and it changes from time to time. And so pornography is is protected from censorship unless it's considered, quote-unquote, quote, obscene pornography. So a, a, a fold-out of a naked woman or a naked man in a magazine striking a, a sexy pose is not considered obscene. It's considered just part of uh, life. People get naked and and try to look nice for the person that they're with. And we can't strike that down. So there are some protections. Now, what about child pornography? Well, the courts are not going to let that happen, at least not if they have an opportunity to review it. And child pornography has been struck down as not protected by the First Amendment. And I agree with that. It should not be. Child pornography should not be condoned under our First Amendment. Now, back in Roman times, that might have been okay. It might have been the morals and values of the time. But we know now that child use of, use of children as sex slaves or for sexual reasons damages their ultimate psychological health and welfare. When they grow up, they're not going to be as healthy mentally and responsible and productive members of society as when they had not been abused or molested. So there are things that we have learned over time. Science has shown us this. Well, what's harassment? And this is another big deal, because there are people saying now, well, there's cyberbullying, and why do these websites like Facebook and and Twitter, why do they let people cyberbully, and why can't we stop this? Well, you know, when we were kids, we used to say, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names and faces can never hurt me. The Supreme court, I think pretty much has, has gone along with that. And harassment refers to unwanted behavior that makes someone feel low or degraded or humiliated or hurts their feelings and feelings are important, but they're tough to define and they're not always accurate. We do not define harassment to include true threats of violence which, of course, are banned by uh, all the governments, all the various states, and the federal government has its own uh, ban on utilizing the mail or the Internet to threaten someone or to try to extort money from them, And, and, and those actions are not protected by the First Amendment. But the First Amendment does not protect true threats. However... Anti bullying laws have been struck down for violating the First Amendment. So we got to be a little bit tough. And you say, well, yeah, but that kid committed suicide. Well, we don't know all of the triggers that went into that. And we don't know what the predisposing the predisposing personality problems were, or or whether or not that person had psychiatric problems, or if they had been, as we talked about on a show a few weeks ago, had been a, a teenager on antidepressants on one of the uh, serotonin reuptake inhibitors and it had stopped them abruptly, as teenagers and young people do. They they're notoriously difficult to to get them to take their medications as prescribed, and that's just, that's just part of life. Teenagers have been that way since the beginning of time. Some of that is just a normal growing process, brain maturation, some of it is the hormonal fluxes that go on with adolescence, some of it is the lack of experience, and all these things add up to adolescence and young adulthood being more volatile than other periods in life and tougher to manage if kids have problems. So we don't know the whole story. We don't know if that kid was on an antidepressant and then stopped it abruptly, and somebody said something mean about them on Facebook, and he complained to his parents and then went and killed himself. And the parents say, "Well, look, it's this cyberbullying. Look at this. It's terrible. It, this has got to be unconstitutional. no. No, it's not. You know, if I stick my tongue out at you, that's not unconstitutional. If I give you the finger, it's not unconstitutional. Now, it may get you mad enough to come at me with a pistol, but (laughs) it still doesn't mean that I don't have the right to express myself. Uh, And in polite society, we don't do that. Dr. Bill's not always polite, though, so uh, you're going to have to put up with a little bit of Dr. Bill flipping the bird out there on the road if you cut me off, so... these things are still upheld as being constitutionally allowable. Well, what is it that we have to do to protect ourselves? We, We certainly have a court, and the court has looked out for us. And we know that social media does have its limitations in terms of pornography, violent threats. And this kid that uh, shot up everybody and killed all these other kids at the Stoneman School over on the east coast of Florida, he actually posted violent threats on the Internet. And so not only did he break the law, and the laws in Florida are very clear that if you threaten to do bodily harm to someone or to kill them, On media, electronic media, or uh, by writing a letter, or any other way of publicly displaying your sentiments, then that's illegal. It's a second-degree felony, and it's punishable by up to 15 years in prison in Florida. There's also a federal statute, and that's also a felony under federal law. So we do have controls and restrictions when they're enforced, and again the the Broward County Sheriff's Department didn't enforce the law. And really this whole thing boils down to a lack of action on their part, and the lawsuits have already started. So that was a transgression against the First Amendment, as well as a criminal transgression against the state and federal government. That's you and me. So these things do have their limitations, and we do have the ability to protect ourselves from hateful speech that incites imminent lawlessness or riots or threatens to harm other people explicitly. That's different from saying, I wish you'd fall off a cliff. That's not threatening you. Now, if I say that publicly in, in the media, and then the next day, mysteriously, that guy falls off the cliff. Well, I think that the government, that the authorities have a pretty good reason to come and question me. But now if it is clear that this guy fell off the cliff because he jumped, because he was upset about what I said, that I didn't like him and I hoped he'd go and jump off a cliff. Well, I didn't make him jump off the cliff, and that's protected speech. Even though it's hateful, even though it's mean, even though it may be cyberbullying, it's still protected. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? Why do we protect speech that a lot of us find offensive? Because we have to have a broad and wide-open ability to express ourselves in a free society, and sometimes our expressions cross the lines of civility and of what we consider personally as being decent or indecent. But we don't want to make ourselves self-repress our freedom of speech. We don't want to have me say to me, ooh, I better not talk about that because even though it's probably okay, I don't know, and if I express that idea and something deleterious happens because of it, even though I'm not making any threats, then that deleterious action may have repercussions for me. I may get sued. I may get locked up. And so the courts say, look, the intent of the First Amendment is to make sure that we are able to express ourselves openly and freely in an open and free society, and that all ideas, good and bad, have the freedom and the right to be expressed. They're abstracts. They're non-tangibles. Unless, of course, you incite a riot or threaten somebody physically. I'm going to come and shoot you, or I'm going to come and beat the crap out of you for saying that about my daughter. And then you, you can't post that. Now, you can say, I'd like to beat the crap out of that guy, but that's not the same. That is not the same. I can say, look, you called my mother a prostitute, and I'm going to come over there and blow you up. Well, that's not legal. You can't do that. You'll get locked up, and if you do blow him up, you may get locked up and sued. So those kinds of threats are not covered. But if I say, You know what, I'm going to come over there and I'm going to pick at your radio station for saying what you said about my mother. And I'm going to carry a sign out front. I'm going to be on the street, so I'm not going to be on your property trespassing. And I'm going to point out all the bad things that you've said and done, in my opinion, without making any threats whatsoever, then that's protected. You can do that. The First Amendment restraints have to be justified within the context of a free society, a society where ideas and speech are open and where we are able to voice our concerns rightly or wrongly. Listen, I make mistakes on the radio show. I, I will say things that are factually inaccurate. I try to come back and say, oh, By the way, I made a mistake last week. But they're honest mistakes, and I think that that word honest mistake is something that is in every relationship. You know, honey, I made an honest mistake. I thought you said to pick up milk and I got cheese. I thought you said 7.30 when you meant eight. And these are just honest mistakes. I mean, we we all make these. We have to have some tolerance for that but things that threaten our privacy or our reputation or information that's personal. And we're seeing this now with with the Facebook account and all the problems that they're having there because it has now come out that, although they said they wouldn't share information except for research data, apparently Facebook has done that. And we'll talk about, after the break, we'll talk about what they're Uh, what their code of conduct is that they've laid down for themselves that it seems to me that they have obviously violated. But by the same token, I'm not sure that it's unconstitutional because you know what? There's no ultimate absolute expectation of privacy when you put something out on a public media like the internet. And I think if the one thing that we take away from the encounter with Facebook and how they used or misused our data is that there's no absolute guarantee that anything we put out there on the internet is going to be private. It's tough because hackers can get in and Facebook can say, well, we did everything we could, we did everything within the reasonableness of the community standards to make sure that your information was protected, but obviously, there's somebody out there smarter than us that hacked our system or a criminal inside our company, which is more likely, who hacked the system and gave your information away. Well, I'm going to go grab a cup of joe, top off my my coffee. But first, it looks like we've got a call from – who we have a call from, Bill?
0: Actually, that was Nobody. from last week.
1: Oh, that was from last week. All right. Well, when I come back, we'll talk about Facebook and and look at what uh, what their policies and procedures are. And I'm Dr. Bill. Don't go away. I'll be right back, guys.
2: With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. Syrian state media says rebels in Duma have asked to start uh, restart negotiations to stop the government's assault on their town, their last remaining stronghold in the eastern Ghouta suburbs of the capital. It's being reported that a poison gas attack was launched by the Syrian government last night. The government says that's not true. Canadians are beginning to learn the identities of 15 people killed When a semi-trailer truck slammed into a bus carrying a youth hockey team in the country's west yesterday, the crash has sent shockwaves through the team's small hometown. The bus was driving the Humboldt Broncos hockey team to a crucial playoff game against the Nipawin Hawks. And once wildly popular, Brazil's former president, Da Silva, has spent his first night in jail for a corruption conviction. He's still the most popular man in the looming election.
1: Six, four, one, one. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET, mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727 Seven one two seven nine five. That's seven two seven 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 one two seven nine five.
3: Have you written a book and want to get it published? Christian Faith Publishing helps thousands of authors just like you publish their books with a company dedicated to strong Christian values. To help you get started, we want to send you our free author submission kit. Christian Faith Publishing reviews every book submitted to us. And if your book is approved, we'll edit, design, copyright protect, print, and distribute your book online and in bookstores everywhere. Imagine seeing your book in specialty Christian bookstores, Amazon, iTunes, Barnes & Noble, and many others. It could happen, and it all starts with one. One call to Christian Faith Publishing at 800-566-1012 for your free author submission kit. If you have a novel, children's book, poetry, biography, or any inspirational work you've written, we can help you get it published today. Shouldn't you work with a publisher who shares your Christian values of integrity and honesty? You can get your book published. So call for your free author submission kit right now. Call 800-566-1012. That's 800-566-1012.
0: 800-566-1012. Get your fix of politics in paradise. Join Hugh Hewitt, Larry Elder, and Mike Gallagher on the 2018 Aloha Talkers Hawaii Cruise. Explore some of the world's most beautiful islands on a luxury cruise. At night, we'll all gather together with Hugh, Larry, and Mike plotting a fresh course for America. The 2018 Aloha Talkers 7 Day Hawaii Cruise sets sail August 11th through 18th. For all the details, visit AM860theanswer.com or call 855-655-1335 and book your cabin today. Here is your exclusive AccuWeather forecast.
3: Mainly cloudy with a shower or a thunderstorm. Today's high, 80. An evening shower or a thunderstorm tonight, low 69. A mix of clouds and sunshine with a shower or a thunderstorm tomorrow, high 82. Cloudy with areas of fog tomorrow night, low 72. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Jonathan Reed for AM 860, The Answer. Well, I'm-
0: I got just one light in a world that keeps on pushing me around, but I'll stand my
2: ground
1: and I won't back down. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, a little bit of Tom Petty. I guess he's the late Tom Petty now. And uh, talking about standing. One's Ground is Not Backing Down, Our Freedom of Speech. By the way, if you want to jump in and join me, I'm at 877-969-8600, 877-969-8600. And I said when I came back, I'd go over some of Facebook's uh, statements of rights and responsibility. But I, I got to tell you that the uh, the Facebook and the mainstream media and all of these news outlets that are anti-Trump, Um, you know, Mike Gallagher was talking about all of this on his show last week. And my thought to him was that, uh, that a lot of this is just background noise. And my wingman, Bill, and I have talked about this often before the show that a lot of this is just background noise, but we also have a duty to counter it and say, wait a minute, that's not true. That doesn't mean that it's unconstitutional. It just means that it's not true and that we have a responsibility to counter that. And I think that that's uh, in large part what a lot of the people on radio are doing now. They're saying, wait a minute, you guys are wrong. That's not true what you're saying about us. And the president is saying it. He's saying, you're wrong. That's not factual. That's not accurate. And the the fake news, the news media lies uh, and it tells tales and it exaggerates and so on and so forth. And we know that that's pretty much true, but it's been that way since the beginning of the Republic. We've had a, a press that has been, uh, adversarial to the in party since the beginning of the Republic, even before that. In, in colonial times, people publish statements against the government or against the governor or whoever. So I don't think that that's anything new and, I, th- I think that the best way to redress problems uh, like the situation of the school shooting over in Broward County is for people to get together and sue their government, hold them accountable. You want to get them, get them in their wallet. You're not going to get them in court. You're not going to get them uh, for dereliction of duty because they're going to have all kinds of excuses. And, and a jury's going to say, ah, you know, it's a tough place to be a sheriff and, and and to know when to step in and when not to step in. But that's in, in a court where you're trying to determine whether anything was done illegally that was criminal, that there was criminal neglect by the sheriff's department. It's tough to prove that. But a civil case, that's a lot easier to prove. It's a lot easier to prove. And when you go after somebody's money, you know, the juries are much more favorable to plaintiffs than they are to the defendant. So if you're the plaintiff saying I've been damaged because of the irresponsibility of the sheriff's department over in Broward County, my son was killed and he had an earning potential of X amount of dollars over his working lifetime of 40 years, plus kids, my grandkids, my loss of, of future grandchildren and the pain and suffering that we've endured Uh, The lack of response by the government, all these things add up. And, you know, you're talking about millions of dollars for one person. So if you get a couple thousand people in a class action suit, you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. Well, I said I was going to talk about Facebook and what their their policies are. Privacy, your privacy, according to Facebook, is very important to us. We designed our data policy to make information disclosures about how you can use Facebook to share it with others and how we collect and use your content and information. Well, they're telling you right there that they're going to collect and use your content and information. And they're going to tell you way down at the bottom how they're going to use it. But basically, if they own that website and they own the accounts and they're making money off of this, then you know what? They're going to do what they want with it. As long as they can stay within the the uh, laws and the constitutional boundaries, but they say you own all of the content and information you post on Facebook, and you can control how to share it is shared through your privacy and application settings. So, if you set your account under Facebook as a private account, then you can control some of your information but 99% of us are not going to do that. We're on the fly. You know, I post something on Facebook to send a picture or my sister sends me something and we're not thinking about keeping this private. In fact, we're probably thinking, Oh, this is really cool. I bet other people would like to see this too. Well, be careful because you know, there may be somebody in the background of that picture that you didn't want seen or to be seen with. Well, what about content covered by intellectual property rights like photos and videos? or IP content. You specifically give us the following permission subject to your privacy and application settings. So if you don't set it as private, you grant Facebook a non-exclusive transferable, transferable means they can sell it to somebody else, or if they sell the company, it goes with the sale, Sublicensable, royalty-free, worldwide, worldwide license to use any IP content that you post on or in connection with Facebook. Anything, if you don't say it's private, anything you put on there is open to the whole flippin' world. So if you do not want something to be seen by the whole world, the best thing is just don't put it on the Internet. The second best thing is if you're using Facebook, make sure you set your privacy settings so that it's not used. Even then it's no guarantee. This license ends when you delete your IP content or your account unless your content has been shared with others and they have not deleted it. So if you have an artistic picture that you're trying to sell, a photograph, and you send it to a friend and you don't say this is private, well, anybody can go and pull that off the Internet and use it. And the application may ask, to access your content and information, as well as content and information that others have shared with you. And if you say, okay, by not setting those privacy settings, well then, it doesn't belong to you anymore. When you publish content or information on Facebook, using the public setting, it means that you are allowing everyone, including people off of Facebook, to access and use that information, and to associate it with you. So you say, was it illegal, was it unconstitutional for Facebook to share this information with this research company over in England? No. Not if you use the public settings. They can do what they want with it, as long as it doesn't incite any imminent danger or imminent threats, physical threats to you or to your government? What about safety? Well, they say you will not post unauthorized commercial communications, such as spam, and you will not collect users' content of information or otherwise access Facebook using automated means, such as harvesting bots and programs and spiders without our prior permission. Without our prior permission, What's that mean? That means that if you pay them a fee, and they like who you are and what you represent and what you want to do with that information, well, you give them some cash and they'll let you they'll let you farm the data. They'll let you go in and look at it. So you don't have any protection if you use the public settings. Now they say you will not use Facebook to do anything unlawful, misleading, malicious, or discriminatory. Those are big words and they're notoriously difficult to define and malicious could mean that, you know, Dr. Bill's a no good, low down, dirty, rotten skunk, or it could not mean that. And once it's out there, if somebody on Facebook thinks it's inappropriate, they may pull it. But you may have a case and say, well, wait a minute, it's true. Dr. Bill is a no good low-down, dirty, rotten skunk. I stood next to him in the elevator, and he had on a coonskin cap, and he smelled. And he stole my pocket watch. Well, I would say that that's pretty true then. So we do have constitutional protection, but these guys at Facebook, they're not stupid. You know, that they haven't become billionaires. Zuckerberg hadn't gain the level of societal notoriety and uh, economics that he has by not listening to his lawyers. And what about protecting other people's rights? We respect other people's rights and expect you to do the same. Well, they've already told you you don't have any rights, so if you have no rights to the content, If you put it out there on the public aspect of it, and they can do what they want with it, they can farm it, then they're deciding for you and me what our rights are, and they're expecting you to follow suit. So if Zuckerberg hates Trump, but likes Obama, and he puts out positive stuff about Obama, but uses your information and my information to to data mine and farm that, and figure out ways to try and influence you negatively about Trump. Well, he can do that. (laughs) You you already gave him permission to do that. So if you don't like Facebook using your stuff, make sure you check that privacy button that you don't want it to be public. And by the way, Facebook says we can remove any content or information you post if we believe that it violates a statement of our policies. So they get to define what other people's rights are and what they think violates the law or is in bad taste or whatever they want. They say, we provide you with tools to help you protect your intellectual property. To learn more, visit our How to Report Claims of Intellectual Property Infringement page. Well, you know what, if you didn't put it out there that it's patented and copyrighted and you wanted private and it was just meant for Joe Blow, At another office in your company, well, you know, too bad. Tough luck. Tough tuna, baby. If you repeatedly infringe on other people's intellectual property rights, repeatedly, we will disable your account when appropriate. Okay, what is repeatedly? Is it twice? Is it five times? Is it 10 times? Is it 100 times? What if they're doing it? Well, if you put it out there publicly, as I said, they can use it. Same thing holds true for mobile devices and other devices. So there's a lot of freedom there uh, that the uh, Facebook people have to provide that service. They also take a lot from you. You surrender a lot, and anything you put out there, hey, guess what? It's out there forever unless you have in some way – privatized it through their accounts or better yet, not put out there at all. You say, well, how come they can be on the liberal side and I don't have anywhere that I can go that as a conservative chat site, I don't know if there are any or not. I'm sure there are, they probably are not of the, of the magnitude, obviously of Facebook. Uh, Does that mean that we can't start our own chat sites? No, that doesn't mean it at all. And and I think that Salem Broadcasting was a response in part to the liberalization of morals and values in the United States and the move away from organized religion. And the folks that started Salem, from my understanding, are conservatives, Christians, uh and that one of the reasons they started it, obviously they started it to make money, but they also started it so that there would be an alternative to the liberal press that has evolved, or so we think's evolved, and there's always been liberal press around, but has become so prominent and so noteworthy in this era, and part of that is because companies like Salem have put the counter argument out there. And conservative radio talk show hosts have put out a counterargument to the liberals. And Fox News station has made billions off of taking a stand against CNN and NBC and ABC and CBS. And has actually beat them at their own game, by and large. And I think that probably the greatest thing that has come out of this out of this willingness of people to invest in and to counter the arguments of the left-wing liberals, the best thing that has come out of this is that we know we have outlets and we know that we have rights and that we know that we have freedom of speech and that we're capable of organizing ourselves in a way to counter something that we don't agree with. And I don't care which side of the argument you're on. Of course, I don't like what my sisters have to say, but I'm tolerant. I understand. And I realize that their liberalism is a a very, very natural outgrowth of our Catholic upbringing and our socialistic parents and their belief in equality and justice and freedom. And they look at me and say, how'd you get this way, Billy? Billy. And I said, well, I had to go to work. And they said, we work too. Well, not only had I I had to go to work, I had to run a business. I had to decide on people's lives. I had to make decisions for people on how to manage their life and what to do with it. And I saw the damage that alcohol and drugs did to the community. And I saw the damage that inactivity and idleness did. And I'm not, you know, I'm not moralistic, but uh, you get teenagers and they don't have anything to do. And I was one of them. I go look for trouble. You know, that's, that's just the nature of the beast. So that doesn't mean that I believe in an, in an autocratic society, but it does mean that I have a different view of life than my sisters because of my different experiences that I came through. And so when we're talking about our personal freedoms, we also have to think of our personal responsibilities. And you say, well, what kind of information does Facebook collect? And this is where our personal responsibilities come in because then we have to say, wait a minute, I'm not going to go on Facebook if they're going to use my data. Or I'm going to check the private box and hopefully they'll, they'll uphold that and honor that agreement not to share that information about you but Facebook says that we collect the content and information you provide when you use our services, including when you sign up for an account, create or share, message or communicate with others and this can include information in or about the content you provide, such as the location of photos or the data a file or the data file was created also they collect information about how you use the services. And the type of content you view or engage in with the frequency and duration of your activity. So they can see by how many times you click on Amazon.com and look at pink teddy bears, what your interests are. And they can sell that information. They can say, well, you know, our computers have given you this list of 2 million people that just love pink teddy bears. And we'll sell it to your pink teddy bear manufacturing company for, you know, half a million dollars they say oh great you know then we don't have to go out and and you know shotgun market we can specifically target our marketing to those 500,000 or a million or 2 million people that are interested in our pink teddy bears and since it saves us money we can also offer them a discount okay your network and your connections they're mine, they're data mine. We collect information about the people and groups you are connected to and how you interact with them, such as the people you communicate with the most or the groups you like to share with. We also con- collect contact information you provide if you upload, sync, or import this information such an address as an address book from a device. So if you send your address book to a friend through Facebook and you haven't marked it private, well, if you have 100 people on that address book, They now have all 100 people's names, email addresses, and cell phone numbers. Information about payments, they share that. If you use our services for purchases or financial transactions, like when you buy something on Facebook or make a purchase in a game or make a donation, yeah, make a donation. They'll collect that information and they can share that so they know where your money's going, your device information. They can look at your hardware, hardware, your operating system, whether you're using an Apple product or uh, an Android product. They can track you down, see how much you make. They can see your location through GPS. They can tap your Bluetooth or Wi-Fi signals. All of this, all of this is out there. And how do they use that information? Any way they want. Any way they want. And so they have, and they did. Boy, freedom of speech is complex and difficult and seemingly at times unfair. (laughs) You know, hate speech is allowed, pornography is allowed. Facebook can get away with this. So we just have to be very uh, circumspect before we start to put a lot of stuff out there. And I have to do that. I have to be very careful because I represent more than just this one little one-hour stinky radio show on Sundays. I represent a lot of people and a lot of information and data. It, it's it's just the nature of the beast. I have to be careful. Well, listen, it's been great having you guys. Love you. I'll see you next week. This is Dr. Bill. Your-